you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I'm talking to David Hennessy. He is the founder of The Wonder Technique. He is a coach, a traveler, a marathon runner, a hiker, and his technique is a holistic self-development pro- program technique. Um, he has taught this technique to over 7,000 people. He's currently in France. I'm really excited to dive in. Thanks for being on the show. It is my honor. Thank you very much, Kara. Yeah. So whenever you want. Oh, great. So let's start from the very beginning. I like to ask my guests about their childhood. And I know you actually had a pretty big move. You grew up in Ireland and then you mm-hmm. moved to Canada. Do you mind touching on kind of how that impacted your childhood and just kind of before you ended up being this amazing coach and this amazing person, kind of your childhood like that? Thank you for the compliment. Actually, <laughs> It's a very good question, and it's rare that I'm asked this. When I moved from Ireland, I was a teenager, and basically I lost all my friends by the move, which is not an ideal time for somebody to move when you're a teenager, but it was a good decision that my parents made for myself and my siblings. The challenge that came was because even though I work now and I do a lot of conference work, I step into that experience with the wonder technique, but I'm essentially quite an introverted person people would say I was shy. And I was definitely shy as a young person. So what happened was when I moved to Canada, I had this very strong at the time Irish accent. And even though I moved to a country where I spoke the language, which happened differently when I moved to France, um, it was very, very challenging for me. So if you add shyness to sounding different, you know, not necessarily looking different, but it was a big transition. And I, and I think that was the first part of my life where I started to learn about the importance of becoming resilient. Although at that time I had no skills, I really had nothing to go on to. Yeah. So, and I'm yeah. really excited to talk about that because you kind of are an expert in, in learning things and re, kind of reinventing yourself in different ways. So I'm, I'm really sure. excited to talk about how that has made you a better coach and a better person. Um, but I really want to talk about kind of before you found the wonder technique, you worked in sales Mm -hmm. and you experienced burnout. And I think you came into my life at the perfect time. I'm experiencing burnout right now. It's very common. Do you mind touching on that? No problem with touching on that. I think motivation will heal anything when you're really interested in doing something. And if you pick something typically that you really not fully, fully committed to, you don't necessarily generate the energy. Simply when people say, oh, I don't want to get up in the morning to go out and exercise. If you really, really have the motivation to do something, you will do it. And what happened to me is when I started in that career in sales, I had a good intention behind why I was doing it because I was looking to generate enough financial reserves to actually open a wellness center. That was the original reason why I did this. I had no idea how I was going to do it. But working in an environment which was really not in line with my personal belief system at that time. And my understanding was to be a salesperson where I might offend some people are listening and apologies in advance, but maybe it's actually good to offend is that I was working in sales in a very traditional way where everybody was somebody I wanted to sell something to. And I Mm. did not understand at that point in time that by building relationships with people, whether you're working as a coach, whether you're working as a teacher, whether you're working in sales, anything is what life is all about. And it's all about listening and communicating. And if you think that somebody who walks into a store or walks into your office is a target for you to convince them, influence them, make them buy what you have, I think you're making a serious mistake mistake and it's not a pathway to happiness so I ended up even though I worked a lot and even though I actually was doing quite well financially I ended up at a point quite rapidly where I was quite frustrated and that was simultaneously at the time that my mom was diagnosed with cancer so I like to believe now I didn't realize at that time that life presents us with opportunities 
if we're willing to stop and realize they're there. And I believe that's what happened for me is because what was going through my mom, although it was very traumatic for her and for those people listening who haven't heard me on a different podcast, my mom is still alive and well and striving, which is really amazing uh, how strong she is now because it's like a long time since she, she had two bouts actually of cancer. But what happened for me was it gave me an opportunity to really recognize where I had a certain talent. And I'll wait for your next question because you're asking great questions before I go on any further. <laughs> Thank so. you. I'm really excited. And I, I really want to dive in later about how these hardships, because you're very open about your hardships, how these mm -hmm. hardships have shaped you in your life and yeah. how it's made you a better coach. But I mm -hmm. want to start by kind of bringing in mindset framing and sure. kind of this mindset aspect. When did you first discover this? Okay. I don't think people were using a lot the word mindset when I started. Maybe they were, but I wasn't aware of it um, because that was 20 years ago when I started the Winter Technique. Actually, it, the seed of it came in the late 1990s, but I actually started assembling everything together in 1999, 2000, when I did wow. the first seminars I did. And as you mentioned, the people, thousands of people I've uh, had the opportunity to connect with, that's people in person. That's not online. Oh, wow. I have no idea of how many people online. I, most of my work prior to what's now officially last year was in person, but then it's only been within the last year. I've had the opportunity to connect with people like yourself and other people through doing podcasts. I, I never used the podcast Avenue before. So that's, that was something that came about again to say, David, here's a new opportunity. Are you willing to embrace it and try something that's very different? So the idea of speaking and, you know, to a person that's not present, that I'm not in front of, all of that is a new learning curve. Yeah. So I think I digressed a little bit from your question. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but refresh my mind here. Sorry. No, that's okay. So yeah. you started in 2000. That's actually the yeah. year I was born, which is okay. really funny. That's but um, wellness yeah. wasn't really a thing back then. I mean, no. There wasn't a lot of mindset framing. I don't think that came into play. Do you mind talking about? Yes, actually, you're you right. Were... Your question about mindset. Yeah. Well, in fact, when I started, you're right. For example, at that time, people were starting in, in like, I should say in more generally, because there's things that have been going around for a long time. Like, for example, organic foods, people have been eating for decades after decades, but things that move into the front of people being aware of things that happened in the, in the late nineties, for example, trans fats, which is something that's synthetic that's in foods. There was a lot of stuff that was coming about at that time. Nowadays, it's very rare to find trans fats in foods. And I don't want to go too deep into that, but it simply is a synthetic version of a fat that's being hydrogenated. But that at that time was something new. Ideas mm -hmm. about drinking water was really important. Something that was just starting that is also a big part of the wonder technique and a big part of my life as a holistic approach is the importance of sleep. Like if people that are aware of what's going on, there was people talking about sleep, but are nowhere near as much as now, 20 years later. And what's been really interesting for me is to watch those trends, to see how things become more and more validated over time. And that's what I always look for things that really work for everybody. And a lot of people say, no, no, you have to personalize everything. But I think for core principles, you don't. Like in a relationship, if somebody says, you really don't have to listen to your partner, you can still have a great relationship. That's lie number one. <laughs> You know, but there's, you know, there is fundamental principles in everything, right? I mean, I'm joking around here, but it's true. You know, the contact that we make with people builds our social network, builds the relationship we have with people. You know, if somebody says to you that, you know, you can get by in life if you just exercise, you don't really need to pay attention to food, sleep you eat, keeping hydrated, also lies. Everything is really very holistic. And there's fundamental principles that we can go by. And that's what's, the, you know, the core of the winter technique was me assembling ideas together. At the time, originally, what it was is that I was going to medical appointments with my mom, and uh, my dad, of course, too, and trying to decode what was being said by naturopaths, you know, surgeons, different doctors, I was an extra set of ears. But of course, somebody who's going through a stressful experience like cancer or anything else, it's hard for them to process everything. And I was, I have a curiosity since I was a young child in trying to understand things in the simplest way possible. And that is the core of the wonder technique because I was trying to look for all the different things that, you know, kind of work together and are very simple that, okay, 
a person can do this task and this can change their life. Okay, that's the first step. For example, sleep. How can they incorporate that into their life in the simplest, basic ways without, for example, buying special machinery, without buying a special application, everything that they can do on their own. For example, mm -hmm. you know, if people want to use meditation to improve their lives and meditation is a great idea, but if they're reliant on a tool, an external tool outside their mind, it becomes perhaps easier at the beginning, maybe, to learn meditation, but you become dependent on the tool. Mm -hmm. And I'm jumping around a little bit here, but to keep my, you know, nowadays I do a lot of rock climbing. And if I was dependent on an app to keep my mind focused while I'm up on the rock face, it would be too late. I yeah. need to have that trained inside of me. So there's things that you need to, and you can do over time. But so it's, it's all about bringing things together to answer your question again, really quickly. There was information all over the place, a lot of stuff, but I started to organize things together. And that's what makes the wonder technique quite unique is that I value what everybody else does, but I'm always looking to try and bring things together to make it easy. So, I mean, children, you know, teenagers, young adults, elderly people can all follow the same practices that are inside the wonder technique because we're all human. I love that. That, Wow. That was a lot of information and it was, I really <laughs> No, it was amazing and I think that's so extremely true and how your technique can touch everyone and it can impact everyone. And I actually wanted to dive in a little snippet of what Go you ahead. talked about. So, mindfulness and meditation has been a huge constant in my life since I was about probably 15, probably for okay. 5 years. Awesome. And one of my favorite principles is beginner's mind, like this childlike curiosity. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that because that's one thing I've noticed since I met you. Okay. Well, the beginner's mind essentially is being having your cup not full or having your cup mm -hmm. empty, which is kind of impossible, but <sighs> being able to put aside our prejudice and our ideas so mm -hmm. that we're open to learning. Like for example, if I listen to one of your podcasts or I read a new book, I have to enter in with the capacity that I can learn from this. Is there something I can learn? But if I enter in with looking for confirmation of everything I already learned, then I could miss something really important. Okay. So that's a, my understanding is a Zen principle. The beginner's mind is the capacity to be able to empty your mind and look at something different. And yeah. there's many, many different z stories in Zen about that. But that's what I really do believe is I'm looking to actually see, is this idea still valid? And that's what I look for. Like, is it still there? Does it still make sense? And that's when I read recently, you know, why, why sleep matters with uh, Matthew Walker to look for, is there more information there about sleep? Is there something that conflicts with what I've learned? And in fact, when you meet Machu, Machu's, pardon me, when you read Machu's work, he has realized that in his research, some of the stuff lately, he's had to rechange it. And I think that's wonderful from a researcher to hear that he's willing to be flexible. So we're all looking to try and make things easier for people to, you know, practice their life. I would really like everybody to be able to get the, the health and wellness issue down so they don't have to focus on it so much and <laughs> can do things like you travel and explore their things because yeah. we're limited in what we can do, whether we're a parent, whether we're working on a passionate career or whether we're just traveling the world, whether no matter what it is when we do, we're limited if we don't have the wellness part in place. I completely agree. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Wow. I have to let that sit for a little bit just because everything you're saying is so, it resonates so much with me. And I think what that, I mean, we take all of these things for granted. Like I have so many goals and I have so many aspirations, but I have to focus on what, what I can do now and the opportunities in my life now. So exactly. with that amazing explanation, I want to dive into the wonder technique. So sure. do you mind explaining your perspective of it and then how it really impacts the amazing people you get to work with every day? Yes. Um, the wonder technique has to be explained in the sense that it's a holistic approach to personal development. I mentioned it before that we, there's many things we can do for personal development, but they tend to almost silo our lives. And we, we think that just doing this one action will be beneficial for us. So exercise is really important for many aspects, whether it's stress management, for all kinds of areas of our life, but it is not sufficient on its own. Because if you don't care, take the time to sleep properly, you won't recover properly from exercise. If you don't take the time to eat properly, you will not be able to nourish and rebuild your body. 
if you don't take the time to hydrate your body, when I say hydrate, I'm talking about water. I'm not talking about fruit juices. I'm not talking about tea, coffee, or anything else that may contain water. I'm just talking about water. So all of those things are, they all come together. They're, they're interactive. So with the wonder technique, I was looking at, and in fact, I, I put together the idea after my mom had started to recover. I was looking at so many different journal articles that I'd gathered over time, Cara, to try and figure out, is there some way, now this is the key, is there some way for me to remember this information? It wasn't about sharing it with other people. It was about making it easier for me to remember. So I started to kind of say, well, how can I tie it together? And I was then starting to look for core principles. So in, in now it has, part of me over time, the best way to describe it, the wonder technique can be one position in your mind, but you can go very deep scientifically, or you can get just very narrow in the sense that, for example, the importance of hydration is really important to keep our bodies going. Okay. The importance of sleep is really important. So I would say to people like, you know what, how, how do you work on these in your life? Do you have, do you actually wake up refreshed? And one way to tell if you wake up refreshed is say, for example, if you have a regular schedule, even though there's not really a regular schedule for anybody, but if you wake up in the morning at say six or seven o'clock, are you injecting yourself with some form of caffeine by 10, 11 o'clock in the morning? If that's the case, that means you probably are not sleeping enough. Like there's ways for you to find out, am I sleeping enough? Are you waking up without an alarm clock? How is your, and that can be done by creating routines in your life because our bodies love routines. Mm -hmm. So, and it's a great feeling when you wake up before the alarm clock, because you've set a pattern into your life. Mm -hmm. I also recommend to people that, um, of course, everybody's open to their options as to what they want to do. The food that you eat needs to be nutritious, but it also needs to be food that you actually enjoy eating. Hmm. it's a little bit for some people counterintuitive because sometimes people say take this item it's really good for you but if you don't enjoy eating it there's probably another solution like i mean there's lots of vegetables out there that are available if you don't like eating let's say um, broccoli there's plenty of other green plants that are available and a green plant is really important that we start to go a little very slightly deeper into it because mm -hmm. green plants um, contain chlorophyll. That's what gives them their color. It's a mm -hmm. phytochemical. And chlorophyll helps purify your blood. I mean, the functionality is in there, but you just have to remember the color green. That's what I always tell people. You know, I did some events with children and I said, you know, go to the market and pick something that's say red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, the colors of the rainbow. So if you pick something red, maybe you'll touch on tomatoes. You may pick something yellow. It could be a lemon. You know, you kind of run your way through it. And then you're, you're, every time you touch something different, if you touch something orange, that's caused by beta carotene. You're doing something to your body that impacts it positively. And I'm always encouraging people to look at the idea of the foods that they eat rather than adding something, which is what we call supplementation, adding something to their foods to try and work on the simplest. Because when you, you do that, you have a better chance that, for example, as you move around through your life, you're going to be able to access that food. Mm -hmm. So interesting. It's just a little taste. It's really the wonder techniques about bringing things together very simply, but simple. I will mention something else too. exercise, for example, um, I, I hike a lot. I've hiked for many years and I love hiking. And the side effect of my hiking is the exercise. It's not the mm. reason for the hiking. Mm -hmm. okay. For example, you, you do yoga, right? Yeah. The key with the yoga would be if you really enjoy doing the yoga and its side effect on you is it gives you better focus, concentration, more flexibility, it has many, many benefits. But if you're doing it because one of your friends likes it, you know, somebody else you know likes it, but you're kind of like, this is not really my thing. I recommend that you stop doing it and find something that you love. Mm -hmm. And lots of things actually can be looked at as exercise. Like some people at seminars have told me, you know what, I don't exercise, but I love to dance. I'm saying you're exercising, you <laughs> dance. That is exercise. Yeah. So it's how you frame things as well. Some people think they have to go to the gym to actually be exercising. I love that. Maybe they could just carry the groceries to the car instead of pushing it in a buggy. Sounds yeah. very simple and maybe annoying to some people, but it's about how you reframe it. I love that. I'm a huge hiker myself, so I'm excited to dive Wonderful. into that as well. Yeah. However, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the wonder technique yeah. in the fact that we are both runners. And so 
I, I want to dive into this running mindset a little bit because running is another, another passion of mine that I do. Can you talk about, I know you have a very interesting story with your running. Can you dive into your, your experience with running and how you've been able to incorporate the mindset aspect of it? Okay. Okay. So it's a big story. <laughs> it is a big story. And I appreciate you asking me the question. Actually, because I'd hiked for years, uh, um, I hiked one of my friends. We've, we've done actually a huge hike that we're still working on that covers six different countries. It's in Europe. It's called the Alpina. And mm-hmm. this one friend of mine, Dirk, uh, actually called me in, um, I remember this very clearly, March the 7th, 2018, and said to me, David, I'm thinking about doing a marathon. And I said, yeah, I, I've often thought about that, um, but I'm not sure if I want to do it. Now, why this was really important for me is because if I backtrack to 2014, I was in a rock climbing accident where I fell and I wasn't able to walk for six months. And after that recovery, which involved a lot of work on my mind and and outside support, I I kind of avoided the idea of actually doing anything more than hiking. I was back in the hiking, but the idea of running would have been a massive test for my body. And I never wanted to do an activity card where I was going to be damaged by the activity. So having my back recovered, having the hernias healed because I got an MRI done again, where everything was in place again, which to me is just fantastic. And I celebrate every day by going for a walk every day because there was plenty of days where I couldn't even walk. Mm-hmm. So I, I, going back to the story in, in March, when Dirk asked me, he said, David, I'm thinking about doing the marathon. And I was listening to him and I said, where? And he said, um, well, actually, the original marathon route in Greece. And that's what got my interest. I went, that sounds pretty cool. And he says, yeah, and it finishes in the Olympic Stadium there. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Now, I hadn't actually, you know, you sound like you do a lot more running than I do. I hadn't ran before that point in time. But I was like, maybe I'll check out this idea. Now, first of all, I did make a commitment because I was going to be going with some friends. So I registered for the event and I purchased my airplane ticket from France, which is where I currently live. So I made a commitment to myself to engage the process. The second thing I did was about two days later, I started to, run, well, I wouldn't say run, move my feet a little bit faster than they normally had. <laughs> And I got like literally, I, I was like 1.7 kilometers because everything's in, I did it in kilometers as against yep. miles, but that's like just over a mile. It's like nothing. And I was like, this ain't working. And I thought, okay, maybe if I just create the compounding effect as I like to do in every other habit over time is mm-hmm. built up. So every, what happens is on Wednesdays and on Saturdays, I went and I ran just a little bit further, particularly on the Saturdays, because on the Wednesdays, it was like during a break during the day, Saturdays, I would get up really early. So I created an internal and a a routine in my mind, but also an external routine for my body. And I started to build up distance over time. Now I didn't follow, okay, okay people may not like this, I didn't follow the normal protocol that people do for training for a marathon because there's plenty of information about that. But I will say, I guess I had something going on inside of me before because I, I practiced the principles of the wonder technique for a long time. So I knew about the importance of hydration. I knew about the importance mm. of proper food that's going to rebuild my body. And I knew something as well, Cara, it's really important not to injure yourself when you're running. So recognize when your body says, I'm tired, being willing to stop and not run through an injury, which you see a lot of people doing. So what happened was over time, I started to accumulate distance and moving at quite a a rapid pace. And then as I got towards October, well, just uh, September, October, in the information that I I did look a little bit, they say you're not supposed to run more than uh, 30 kilometers before. So um, let me see, what would that be around? Maybe 20 miles before the actual marathon. I'm estimating Mm -hmm. there. I think so. And I was like, ooh, it's 42 kilometers. I only got around 30. That's like over 10 more. That's too much for me to think about on the day that I've got to run 10 more than I've ever ran. So I broke the rule. I had mapped out that running from where I live to another village return route would be 36 kilometers. And one month before the actual marathon, I did a 36 kilometer run because I wanted to know that on the day, okay, if I can do it here, I just got six more K to do. 
like so you know maybe four miles or so or something like that so that, that's achievable rather than thinking oh my god i got to do 10 which can be a long distance for somebody who's not even a runner or hasn't done much yeah. running and i and i i didn't want to do the full distance beforehand but i wanted to see you know how far could i go and mm -hmm. actually finish without a state of exhaustion without any injury and pain but look changed a little bit just before and i'm not sure if you noticed about three before the marathon i had an experience happen which i didn't anticipate and that was the fact that i woke up one morning and one of my knees was really hurting me and you know sometimes we sleep and we sleep the wrong way nobody knows why whatever you know like how did i get that creak in my neck or something like that yeah well i was injured on my knee and i thought this is sore enough that i don't want to run and i thought it was actually my brain says to me it was October the 10th. So the marathon was on November the 11th. And I thought, wow, this is the worst thing to do to stop training one month beforehand. But it was hurting. And I thought if I run on the knee, it's not going to get any better. And I may end up not even being able to go. Mm -hmm. So what I did for the last few weeks beforehand was, you know, I continued my everyday walking and everything, but no running. And I ran through everything in my mind, kind of like elite athletes do, where they're imagining that they're doing a run, a long distance, you know, um, run or something like um, a pole vault or anything like that, where I saw myself. I looked up on the internet images of the, the route. I started to really see myself having finished. And I ran something in my mind, which we may or may not have a chance to talk about today. This whole system that I have now, which is like a protocol of how I look through my mind daily in the morning and in the evening and not just think about, but actually visualize where I want to be. Mm. And so I saw myself completing the marathon without pain and finishing it. And I'm really grateful that on the day, yes, I did finish the marathon <laughs> and I, I wasn't incapacitated. And yep. a big shout out to all the women listening, including yourself, was the people that I saw mostly that had fallen down on the route and had to have paramedics and everything helping him were men. <laughs> Mostly women, I saw them at a very steady pace. There's a lot to learn from that, not trying to go fast like crazy, mm -hmm. but actually having a rhythm through life where you're, you know, life in general, or even like life is a marathon, where you're just keeping going steadily. You know, it's the, like the turtle, the, the turtle and the and, uh, race, right? And the, and the rabbit, right? The yeah. whole idea of you build it up over time. So that's what happened for me. I had a steady pace. I kept running and I was always hydrated. And I, ca I carried a water bottle the whole way, which is very odd because you could pick up water on the way. But since I'm a, a little bit conscious of the fact that, you know, I didn't want to be taking a water bottle that like they were offering you a plastic water bottle, taking mm. the sip out of it and throwing it at the side of the road, which is what most people are doing. I carried the bottle and the envelope mm. was emptied and I recycled it en route and then grabbed another bottle. So I kept myself fully hydrated. I will say I learned a few lessons. My training, <laughs> my training was a little off because I trained on flat ground. And when I got there, yep. it was uphill. The first <laughs> 20 odd K was uphill. Oh. And I was like, oh my God. And thanks to a big shout out, call out again to my friend Dirk, who was with us as a group of four of us. He said, David, you know what? You might need to wear a hat. It's sunny today. I was yep. like, what? And that was on the day of the marathon. And that came about the fact that um, I always ran just at the, the sunrise in France mm -hmm. to avoid the heat because the heat can really impact your endurance. Yeah. So I had that, the uphill thing. And then the last part of the story, which people will say, I'm never going to do training like David, is that <laughs> I, I was always in the habit of running on an empty stomach, mm -hmm. meaning that I never ate during or before a run all the way through my training. Wow. And I heard that from other people and it worked really well for me, Cara. So mm -hmm. I would finish my meal the night before the next morning I would run. The problem was, is that I never ran a marathon before. I was in the last group of beginners. Mm -hmm. And instead of the marathon, me, which everybody else did, starting at like nine in the morning, I started at just after 10. So at that point in time, it was almost 15 hours since I'd last eaten when I started the marathon. Wow. So, but I didn't know that. I, I mean, you know, there's a way of avoiding that. You run a half marathon beforehand, they'll put you yep. further to the front. I didn't know that. So there's lessons I learned, yeah. but part of it was, is that 
I know the experience of what it's like to be able to understand that your body can function without having to eat all the time, oh. you know, by using what I call, not what I call, what is correctly called um, time-restricted eating, where you, <laughs> you eat just within a certain period each day. And you get plenty of nutrition, but you don't eat all the time. And so my body was at that level where I'd been doing that for quite a while, for about a year prior to doing the marathon. So I had enough stored energy, like in my body to do the marathon. So it's a big, big answer to the story, but you're right. It's quite different the way around the marathon, but I completed it yeah. and I'm very happy that I did. And then I redirected that energy and my joy from the marathon actually into rock climbing outside, mm. which is the something I really wanted to get back to after I had the injury rock climbing in the first place. That's amazing. I love that. And I think there are so many things that we can tie into the wonder technique, like visualization, like having mm -hmm. a balanced diet, knowing that you need to feed yourself properly and be properly hydrated to be your best self. Sleep yes. obviously is so yes. important. Yeah. Um, shoot. My question just flew past my head. Oh no. It's okay. it'll, it'll come back. It'll, yeah. It'll, it'll back. come back. Well, mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about, so you have this love for learning that I have mm -hmm. seen throughout your stories and let's talk a little bit about that. How has that love for learning and that ability to kind of overcome many challenges impacted your coaching? Okay, my love for learning would probably come into two things. When I'm working with people, whether it's in a live event or whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's that I have to, which I'm not doing a lot of right now, is listen, because I'm doing a lot of talking right now. But you have to become a very good listener to find out what exactly is it that's going on in someone's life that they need to tune up a little bit to change it. Mm -hmm. So when I meet somebody, I don't have a whole checklist of things to ask them. I'm wanting to listen to them and get them to describe their story. And by being very, you mentioned the love of learning, which is I'm very, very curious, mm -hmm. is wanting to know more and more about that person. And I, what happens is, is over time, I've developed an ability where I look kind of like from 10,000 feet or from overhead, I'm looking for different things that come together. Like if somebody says to me, you know, I'm mm -hmm. suffering from a lot of stress in this area of my life, I'm then looking for what else can be interacting with that. Could it be, could it be sleep? Like we're going very simple here. Could it be sleep? Could it be, is it your work environment? Could it be your food? Could it be your lack of exercise? Could it be too much exercise? And just kind of tossing things into the pot to, and then kind of looking for their response to tune my understanding and with the goal of giving them simple practices that they can take into their life. And when that comes to mind, when I talk about practice, there's something I learned years ago I've used in my life, which um, I, I believe a lot of people have when it's effective. It's not just about practice. It's about the right practice. It's like, you know, you're, you're, if you're scaling the ladder of success, but the ladder is against the wrong wall, over time, you're going to find out that you're going the wrong way. So you have to be kind of reassessing yourself all the time, but not, not in a manner where you're obsessive, but you look back and you reflect on things mm. and say, is this working? Is it not working? Is the way I'm interacting, you know, with my spouse, is this actually working or do I need to change it and be willing to take feedback? I mean, I have wonderful friends and I'm always saying, you know, tell me when I'm being ridiculous. Like, you know, <laughs> call me if I'm being, if this is wrong, I need to know because yeah. You know, we're all great believers in our own ideas, but we need to keep on <laughs> testing them to see, do they really work? And also question, is convention correct? Because there's been, you know, a lot of, shall we say, mistakes in the understanding in many parts of the world, whether it's, you know, the impossibility of, of relanding rockets, you know, SpaceX has proven it is possible to reland the rocket, but many, for many years, people don't know. You know, and people have many different ideas about different types of diets and always taught that this kind of diet works. And then over years, they found, no, actually, it doesn't. And for example, I mean, there's, there's plenty of people, nothing to really call against nutritionists, but they don't, they don't have a belief system in the importance of hydration. They say if you drink juice or tea or coffee, it's just as good. But hang in a second here, tea and coffee are both diuretics. Mm -hmm. They pull water out of your body. How can that yeah. be the same as just drinking water? It can't be. 
It defines the logic of the process. So, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. So you have to question. So if you said to me, David, what's, what should I do here? And I suggested question me on whether it makes sense intuitively and logically as to whether how that could work in your life. So you, I'm always balancing, is it intuitively or is it logically, does it work? It's like a scientific and perhaps philosophical approach to something. And then I look back at the history of human beings and I look at, hmm, can that work here? Like, for example, I think it was 19, 1995, I read a book called 120 Year Diet. I think the gentleman's name was John Walford. And that particular book, they studied many, many different populations of centurions. Now, there's a lot more centurions on the planet right now than there was at that time. But at that time, the best research that they could find her was on the people from Okinawa and Japan. The re reason why it was important was because they had birth certificates that were valid in Japan because they'd been doing it for over 100 years. In lots of other parts of the world, there wasn't a, is a well-regulated system for saying, is the person of that age? For example, somebody mm -hmm. would pretend they were their father, like they had mm -hmm. the same name and like just no yeah. dirt, so how could you tell? And what I found really interesting in that time, and if you bring it into this moment in time, the Okinawans were famous for a couple of different things that they take to nourish their health and well-being. The first is social interaction. It's really important. The second thing is they're very physically active through gardening and through dance as examples. The next thing is that the, the, the foods that they eat are foods that they harvest as close as they can to their own home. For example, sweet potatoes, you know, so, and they eat, as remember correctly here, they're eating foods, for example, um, fish. And why is fish good? Because fish contain omega-3. What's omega-3 really good for? It's really good for reducing inflammation in your brain. But you don't need to get into the science of it. You can just say, okay, what foods are really suitable for me? Because unfortunately, for example, a lot of people, if you choose to eat, for example, um, meat from a, a cow, a lot of cows now, it is more and more, I mean, less and less are having this diet, but they're being fed a diet that's inflammatory, which is not their natural mm -hmm. diet. Like corn and soya are omega-6, which is an inflammatory source of food mm -hmm. for a cow. As against grass, if they're eating grass, it's a anti-inflammatory because it contains omega-3. So when you mess with the diet of the food that you're eating, whether it be vegetable or animal, you're changing what you bring into your own body because you mm -hmm. take from it what it's there. So when I looked at the Okinawans, I went, there's some very simple principles that one can take into your own life. And they're still valid now. The idea of good, local, nutritious food, exercising, doing stuff that you love to do, being outdoors. Again, that's part of the wonder technique because they're gardening they're, and they're celebrating life. And as people get older, their wisdom is appreciated in terms of the social context. It's not just mm -hmm. all about people that are young or people that are middle-aged or people that's older. It's appreciating that life does bring us experience. And once we've learned from it, it's never a failure. Hmm. I love that. That's such a great piece of advice. And I think, oh my gosh, whenever you speak, I have so much that I want to talk to you about. <laughs> I get a little overwhelmed, but I love it. I think, I think where I want to go next with this conversation is how you talk about many principles and I love how you're able to combine so many things into the wonder technique to give people truly the best holistic viewpoint of how to improve their lives. Let's talk about nature a little bit, because I know okay. that's a huge part of your life. It's a huge part yeah. of my life. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you talk about the positive health benefits that, that have impacted you and how it impacts your clients as well? Okay. Very simply. I mean, a lot of people recognize that when we're in an environment where there's lots of buildings around us. It's kind of like, I'm gonna kind of make a extrapolation for that. If you're in the city and there's lots of vehicles around, you're not gonna have the fresh air that you will have in nature. This is so simple, but it's so very true. Mm -hmm. So if you run in the city, as again, running in nature, you're most likely gonna be sucking in air that contains pollutants that you don't wanna have inside you, as against mm -hmm. when you're out in nature. That's the first thing. The second step is, is that when you're running in nature, in most cases, talking to you as a runner, you're <laughs> running on softer ground than when you're running on cement. And this mm -hmm. is much easier on your body because you can be really damaging to run on hard ground over time. So once again, that pulls you into nature. Nature. Mm -hmm. And when you're in nature, of course, during the day, the plants are generating oxygen. 
by converting carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide into oxygen. So you're getting an environment where you're going to be breeding something that your body wants. Now that can be beneficial for people in their own home if they don't have easy access to nature. You can look and do some research and you can get plants that actually create oxygen uh, as their process. And some plants will do this at nighttime. So if you have some plants in your rooms, you have to be careful, get the right plants because some of them are doing the opposite process, but you can have oxygen being produced in your home at nighttime. So they have a reverse system. So also nature for as well for me is an, it's a time where often I go hiking on my own. If I go with friends, I do practice something that is really important as that to walk in silence. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in nature, if I'm on my own, I use that opportunity just to kind of empty my mind. You talked a little bit about beginner's mind earlier on, but it's literally just not thinking about anything you know, of interest, but perhaps goes into the idea of what we call mindfulness, which is being more aware of your environment. You know, Maybe stopping to smell something, to see the trees, to notice the plants, to notice a bug on the ground or something that's crossing in front of you, being that aware of your environment. So you're actually really in the experience because I know a lot of people will run, do different activities, go in nature and they'll, they'll be talking all the time, which is great to build relationship, nothing against that with the people. <laughs> but if you're listening to music or listening to a podcast or something like that, when you're outside, you're not really connected to your environment. So for me, nature has always been an experience of getting away from things mm-hmm. and being very conscious of my environment. And that has helped me never get lost in the mountains because I'm thinking about where I'm going and I'm also thinking about where I came from. You know, those people who are hiking, if they've had an issue hiking, I always look when I'm on my own, I always look back to where I came from. You know, because you, the path is not the same when you're going forward as it is backwards. If that makes any sense. So yeah. you look back and go, oh, yes, okay, I just passed that tree. I went on the left and there's a stone <laughs> on the ground. So you're looking for that if you're doing, you know, a trail where you're going to go back the same way. Because yeah. sometimes people will get disorientated when they're coming back. And you can only do that if you're paying attention to what's going on. Because if you're inside your mind listening to music or in a conversation, it's like when we go somewhere in a car with somebody and they mm-hmm. drive with no idea how they got there. <laughs> You have had that experience? I know I have. Yes. (laughs) So I I need to be fully in the moment. So nature allows me to do that. And I'm a great believer that one of the untapped resources that we need to really engage in is silence. And the little analogy that I like to use is that when we listen to music, what really makes the music is not the notes, but the silence between the notes. Because there was just sound we would just have noise. Mm-hmm. I love so that. That's the silence is really important. And our lives mm-hmm. are really cycles of mm-hmm. all kinds of things, whether it's a circadian cycle, whether it's understanding that cycles of relationships, sometimes there's up and down moments mm-hmm. or the end of a relationship transitions through schooling. When that ends, you move into a different part of your life. Our lives are mm-hmm. full of cycles, our heartbeat, just to recognize that there is a rhythm that goes along. And of course there's sound and there's mm-hmm. silence. And if we're constantly in a state of input, listening all the time, we can, and you, you know yourself there, I sent you a copy of the 10 steps to health and happiness, the little book. It had. Anybody who's listening can get a copy of it for free. It's no problem. I will give them a copy of it with other gifts that you receive as well, Kara, is the idea that um, we can be uh, eternal learners and that's important, but you need to pause and kind of like when we take food in, we need to digest it. We need to take time to stop. And what I've really noticed, and I'll ask you this, have you ever noticed that you sometimes reach a point where I need to stop reading right now? I can't read any more books, even though I want to, but I need to kind of step back and see what I've learned. Have you ever had that experience? Yes, I'm, I'm experiencing that right now because okay. I'm overwhelmed with work and I feel like I don't stop. I know reading's very different, but yeah. with work, I, I don't stop. And then it affects my sleep. It affects my life. And I want to have this time where I can think back and reflect and especially with the new year, I want, I want to have this time to, to grow as a person and create a better work-life balance, but Mm -hmm. it's so hard Mm -hmm. to stop once you're in this rhythm. So I completely understand. And yes. (laughs) But you, you will, you will be able to change that slowly. 
mm-hmm. by just engaging a habit. And the, the suggestion, if you haven't already reached that or anybody else listening is, take what you're doing right now that you're not making you happy, okay? Like for example, mm-hmm. I'm feeling overwhelmed or I don't have a good relationship with this person or my work doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Bring that into the future, one year, five years, 10 years. And if you're still having the same result, would you be happy? Like, let's, let's do something here for people that are looking at, ah, you know what, my physical well-being is not that important. I'll get around to it at some point in time. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. So imagine if 10, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you have grandchildren, okay? And you're like, I can't even bend down to play with the grandchildren because I never took care of myself when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Experience that in your own mind, something that would be painful for you. And disappointing. And then just bring your back to this moment in time and say, okay, what can I do to work towards the future that when I arrive there, it'll be where I want to be. So like, that's, we, we kind of, we stop, we go forward in our own mind and say, where do I want to be? And drag from there back to this moment in time, the motivation that you need to make the changes. And I believe that people cannot make changes. They cannot find motivation unless it's for something they really want to do. Mm, I love that. I need that. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually so helpful. Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of times people struggle with figuring out what makes them happy. And especially people my age, they struggle with finding their purpose and what, what they want to do either with their career or with their life. How do you, how do you help people guide them on the path? Maybe they don't know what exactly will make them happy, but they want to figure it out. What do you recommend for people? Oh, this is a great question. And I'm happy you asked that really happy that you asked that because there's some conversations that I've had with some people in coaching where I've asked questions and I'm going to share with them right now where you you look at their your life and you kind of gather information about your life but sometimes it's not always easy to do this on your own and 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 I will mention that I did, I mean, I do have many courses that are online. One of them is how to find and follow your purpose. And I decode a lot of the information that I'm going to share with you, just some samples of. One of the things is, for example, if you want to figure out what is it that I really enjoy with life is look back when you were younger. And when did you lose track of time and something that you really loved? Like for me, Mm. I was always taking everything apart. Okay, Hmm. I was very curious and always loving to learn. So at this moment in time, many years later, I still have that curiosity. Some people might find that uh, they always loved, um, for example, creating things. Now, it may may not be exactly the same thing that they want to create as an adult, but the fact that they have an interest in creating things is really important. What about somebody that you know that even at seven, eight years of age, they were great organizers, really good at logistics. Mm -hmm. That's something that they were doing before the idea of money, responsibility, or anything came, but it's something mm. that they enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So you want to you go back and say, what was it that I used to do? And I would say that's one step. The second step is, although you, you need to be paid in <coughs> for the work that you do, bless you, I you need to be paid for the, or the work that you do, but imagine, would you do this work if you were not paid? Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's another step because it's, you know, they say, um, do what you love and the money will follow. It's not always that simple, but if you are doing yeah. something that you really love, you'll find the motivation to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to say, okay, this is my passion. You have to, first of all, decide where does it fit into the world where it has value for other people? That's mm-hmm. a key. And if it has value for the people, people will pay you for it. So then you can kind of build a business or something from that. It may already exist. You don't have to be running your own business. You can be just doing something <laughs> that is already of value and you have a yeah. talent. You know, some people can be really good at taking complex information and making it easier to understand. Maybe as a child, maybe they're a teacher now. And teachers can be many things. They can be fit in many different parts of the world. Uh, maybe people can have the ability to decode heavy scientific principles and share them with people who need to apply them. So you could be like a a visionary architect for a company, but you're able to explain to an engineer, this is what we need to get done because the engineer may be able to figure out the problem, but he needs to know what the problem is at first. Mm-hmm. So the, it, looking back on that, it's simply for finding and following your purposes, you, you can look back at your younger years and 
reflect on it. And if you're not sure, ask family, people that knew you when you were young, and they will be able to tell you about what they saw you really enjoying. Excellent. That's just one big yeah. clue to your, your passion. You know, and you, I, would say, I will say that one thing to avoid is avoid, of course, trends. You know, <laughs> one lady I was on her, I was on, on her podcast recently and she said, David, everybody I know now is a coach. Yeah. And she wasn't kidding. Like, it's like, I mean, what she told me, she says, you have to differentiate, even if something is interesting, is it really what your skill set is? Is it really something you will enjoy? And when it is something that you enjoy, you're constantly in a state of wanting to learn. And it almost feels like it just all comes together so easily. And you want to look at, am I in the, in the quote unquote, the flow of things? Is it really coming together for me? And then as you mentioned yourself, reassessing it over time as to how things are progressing. That's really mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Um, you can do that. Like, I mean, goal setting once a year is, is a ridiculous concept because that's not effective. Uh, oh, you, know, you should reflect on your goals daily because you want to make sure you're doing the right goals. Yeah. So I do that every day in the morning and at night. I, I have a, a, a vision process in my mind where I'm thinking about the things that are important to me so that they're in my mind that day. I mean, friends oh. are really important to me. And I think about my friends each day and I make sure that a day doesn't pass that I don't, that I re don't reach out. I always reach out to somebody, whether it's by a phone wow. call or some way. Because if it's important, oh. why wouldn't you do it? Exactly. So That's very true. Yeah. And I think a lot of people lose touch with that, even if it's due to trends or their careers or they feel lost because they don't connect back to what's important to them. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Wow. Really what's, for example, you know, nowadays, um, for example, you might hear some of your friends thinking about, I want to start a business because I want to be a billionaire. Like that's the trend. <laughs> You know what? When I was younger, the trend was I want to be a millionaire, but now it's a billionaire. Oh. It's it's like, what happened here? It's <laughs> really the focus is you asked them like, what would you do then if you had that money? Well, I don't know. I just like to have that money. You, it's it's like you know you want to go back to it's not the number, it's about what do you bring into the world. I love that. Well, like a business, and I'm I'm grabbing an idea. I think it was either Peter Thiel or Elon Musk said it. Is that a, a business is a community of people that are working on a common goal, that it's a has a purpose. It's generating a product or service that yeah. is of benefit to other people that they're willing to buy. Mm -hmm. So you it's it has value to society. And sometimes you have to ask yourself the question: Does there really need to be another one of these? <laughs> right you know is yeah. that a value right or yeah. can i bring something uniquely different because everyone listening to this including yourself including myself we all have something unique to bring to this world it's yeah. not duplicatable and when we recognize that we see that we each have value we each have something to bring to this world and when we resist yeah. the urge to copy other people and feel okay about being ourselves and i mean i'm the guy who's introverted Okay, I'm talking to you. We're on a, a podcast. Yes. And yet, you know what? Um, most of my life, I'm quite silent and quite away from people. So mm -hmm. it's, it's when I'm doing something, I kind of pull myself out of the experience because I feel, and this is another thing about purpose, actually, is that I feel, and I'm very grateful for what I've learned, that's part of the wonder technique, that if I didn't share it, I would actually be negligent because this is my purpose. Mm. So, you know what, if you, if somebody says, uh, you know what, I have so much to give to the world as a mother or a father, and they don't engage that, they could have done some pivotal things that would have changed the life of their children. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think, going into the future and coming back and saying, you know what, gosh, I don't want to have any errors in my life. I don't want to regret what I didn't do. So it's mm -hmm. really important to work on what you want to work on in life. Life is really too short. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people last year found out life got really short, really fast. Yeah. And I'm hoping that last year in its own way, Carol brought people to attend the, the idea that one never knows what's around the corner. Yeah. So what do you got to lose? You know, somebody's listening and thinking, maybe I should ask, ask that person out on a date. Well, just go do it. If they say no, <laughs> fine. You know, then that at least you asked. 
you know, yeah. maybe I should ask that person, do they have work available? Maybe I can work on that person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know about your history where you get involved in projects that you value and you yep. want to work with other people and learn from them. Yeah. But you took the step, you made a decision and you took action. Yeah. And if exactly. you didn't make the decision, you'd never take an action. But a lot of people make decisions and never take any action. But yeah. it's that simple. And if you took the action and the person said, no, I don't need your help. That's okay. You find out and you move from there. Huh. Again, going back to related principles, I believe in really things are very grounded and simple. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a matter of practicing. Just a matter of practice. Yeah. I love that. I love everything you have to say. You have so many inspirational nuggets that you can give to my listeners, but I know Thank we're you. running out of time and there's a whole yes. topic we missed out on. Oh, so let's talk <laughs> about travel because that was mm, okay. the original part of mm. going places. So tell me about your love for travel and yeah, just go free. <laughs> okay. I never lost this. And actually when I started traveling so far, I mean, some people have been to a lot of countries. I've been to 23, but I, I, love to learn about other cultures on the ground, mm-hmm. like being there. You know, when I went to the Himalaya mountains and I was backpacking, I didn't go uh, with Sherpas and other people. We just hiked in the area to kind of meet people as wow. the experience rolled itself out. Right. So mm-hmm. that is a different way as against um, traveling with a group of people that you already know. And for example, looking for places that serve food that you're already aware of you know, and looking for kind of an environment that is kind of a safe zone for you. But when you stretch yourself by traveling, and that's what I experienced, you know, Mm -hmm. and I had some, we won't have time to talk about some wild experiences where, (laughs) uh, you know, where I ended up on a train going to, um, from uh, Romania to Austria, and my passport was taken away. And having that experience of how do I get it back? You know, when I'm dealing with people speaking a different language, because, you know, a lot of, I mean, I didn't speak Romanian and I didn't speak any Italian because sometimes you can bridge the gap with that at the time. And even like myself, now I live in France and I didn't learn French at all until I came to France. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't be really traveling when you're actually living in a country. But I think the benefit of travel is that it really opens our minds to how other people think. So you know yourself, because you spent some time, was it last year in Spain? Is that right? Yes, I did. I spent some time in Spain. And then I also spent my freshman year of college traveling around the U.S. and Guatemala. So I've done a little bit. (laughs) I want to do more. Yeah, and I've never lost that. And it's it's that Mm -hmm. curiosity in me. I would say, you know, I would go on a limb and I'd say to anybody like yourself that you've practiced, once you finish your, you know, required schooling, like high school or senior school, whatever country in the world you call it, Mm -hmm. some people dive right into, you know, into schooling. And I would say the best thing you can do is take a year and just or six Mm -hmm. months minimum and go travel. Feel what it's Mm -hmm. like to go elsewhere. And I remember once when I was traveling, I met a number of people, I don't know if it's traditional or not, but from Australia, and they travel a lot. And, and I asked some people, how come I meet so many people that are traveling from Australia? And I remember one lady told me, it's almost like our parents say, get out, explore the world, because once you come back, oh. you're never going to leave Australia. And when we, when we move around, we see the world is very different, and it reduces mm-hmm. our you know, the mixed up concepts that we have in our minds about being prejudiced and seeing people as different. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that you know people when i was in pakistan you know what we would call um a completely different lifestyle some people can be very happy in living mm-hmm. and things that were outrageous like when i was in i think it was in islamabad when we're heading up to 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 nanga parbat it was at a, a market this was like i'll never forget this market we got off the shall we say bus even though it was kind of like a van I you know we went to the market it was like I wanted to buy some fruits and vegetables and they had fruits vegetables they had um, different meats for sale and guns like it was like on display (laughs) it was if you were going to a market and I was like wow and it's like that's a very weird experience Mm -hmm. but then again you know in in America I think you still have you've got gun shops and that but in (laughs) Well, they don't, right? So yeah. it's, it, it, cultures bring about different things and then you kind of learn, huh. hmm, what's it all about in the world and mm-hmm. how we're all so very different. Yeah. You know, so Definitely. by traveling, we get that. It really, really helps us open our minds. And I think it's a great way for us to see the world and us all as part of the world by traveling. 
So yeah. it's really, really good. I love that. I might have to have you on a second time just to hear about all of your travels because that's be my happy. favorite part. Great. No yeah. <laughs> my pleasure. Awesome. You ask great questions. Definitely. And, uh, and um, I'm very happy to share with you, Karen. I mean, you're you. living already an adventurous life. And, and I admire <laughs> that because that takes courage. Because I've met people, you know, that were five, 10 years older, because you mentioned you were born in 2000, right? Yeah. So this makes your, you know, 2021 and people, you know, 25, 30, they've always, I wish I'd done that. Yes. There's no point. Just get out there and experience it. And, you know, you can do it in small bits. You don't have to travel for six months to a year, as I said. (laughs) You know, you could just even cross the border into the country that's next to you and for spend a couple of days there. Go somewhere different. Like, I mean, if you live in the United States of America, there's, you know, even going into different states. I remember that when I traveled. There was a difference between California and Idaho. You know, there's a different (laughs) culture, right? So by moving around uh, and, and seeing the different things, and asking questions and we learn so much from other people when we just move i love that you have so much great advice and that is so true and that's what i'm aiming to do with my life is i don't want to miss out i don't want to have regrets when i'm older so i want to do the experiences now and i want to have those adventures i have a really good ending question for you and it's from all of my listeners or all of my guests but if you could travel anywhere in the world where would you not go where would I not go? I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> I, I, there'd probably be a place I would not be allowed go because there would yeah. be restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's certain, I mean, I love the mountains and there's some countries, you know, in the areas where there's Iraq and Iran and that where there are fantastic mountains, but you can't, can't mm-hmm. go to the country. And I've been in, for example, areas where now they're now more restricted. They don't let you move around. Mm-hmm. So um, where would I not go? I, uh, no, I would go everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> I, ca- I, I can't, I would have to make up an answer and I won't make up an answer because then it wouldn't be true because I'm open to traveling, whether it's cold, hot, whatever, you Good. know, Antarctica, it, Alaska, Yukon, I've been in those places, like not Antarctica yet, but Alaska <laughs> and that, I mean, I, I, I'm open to learning because there's so much from the environment and from the people. Yeah. So good answer those are my favorite answers i've had a lot of people who say oh i won't go to like a war-stricken country but my favorite Mm. answers are the ones where people are like no i'd go anywhere like the the world is my oyster i'll go anywhere so great answer this has been an amazing interview i love your your knowledge and your wisdom and just what you do for others you're really changing lives with the wonder technique so thank you so much for being on the show you're most welcome can i share with people that are listening about the little gifts that i offer because of course um, that's okay um yeah and part of me for sounding like I was ignoring everybody that's listening, but part of me, um, if people are interested, if they go to the wondertechnique.com, which is really where everything is about the wonder technique, there's links out to videos and everything that are on there. I do have an opportunity if people would like to, to receive my newsletter that they receive bunch of items one of them is the ebook that's 10 steps to increase your health and happiness there's another one that's a book of favorite quotes that i have there's also the mini motivational cards now if anybody watches this video wise i'm not sure i will give an example here let me there's the little motivational cards that i created and people can see that there you go here and these are all little cards that this one here says i have clarity in all i do and it's written positively in the present tense and you can read it so it's training your mind and that was inspired by my dad who passed away which we didn't talk about at all but he really inspired me to look at how I think about things so the template for that is in the package there's also a poster that's full of positive quotes and there's a sleep a better sleeping checklist for those people who are listening that I put one page thing there all of that is as a free gift for people listening I've you know there's a monthly probably not monthly there's the online personal development program which people pay a small amount for but just to get them in the door and, and learn a little bit more about my work I'll give them a whole bunch of free stuff and I'm happy to share I love it and I love your cards I cut them out and I printed them out and they're oh, so, so cool. positive it's so oh, cool wonderful. and I love all that you do Oh, I mean, you have so wonderful. many amazing resources and it's crazy because everything is free. Like you have so many free resources, which is something that you're giving out of the kindness of your heart and you're truly doing this to help people and change lives. So it's so Thank inspiring. You. And I hope my listeners actually take you up on everything that you do. 
It's been an honor sharing with you today and listening to your great questions. And even though we're not close by each other, but feeling your positive energy, which is inspiring. Yes. Hopefully I can meet you in person. That could always happen. I mean, you were in Spain. You were pretty close to where I was last time. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Okay, then. Thanks again, then, Karen. That was my interview with David Hennessy. Again, he has so many amazing resources and just advice for people at all ages, even anyone. And I am so amazed by this interview. I wanted to let you know that we're doing a part two very soon. We are doing a part two right before my 21st birthday. And we're going to talk all about goal setting looking into the future, staying in the present, um, travel, and just keeping an amazing mindset. I'm so excited to have him back on. If you did not catch what he said before, please head to thewondertechnique.com or head to my show notes to learn more about the amazing gifts he offers. He has these great mindset cards. He has an amazing guide to happiness and he is just an amazing human being. So you will find so many great resources on his page. I will, again, include that in the show notes or it's thewondertechnique.com. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you gained so much wisdom from our conversation and just I hope this impacted your life because it definitely impacted mine. And I was in I was in a hard place when I recorded this interview. I was really overwhelmed and David provided a lot of great information and advice for me and I was really open to receiving just all of the great tips that he had. So I hope you did it as well. Thanks for tuning in. I'm so grateful for my listeners and I cannot wait to see where you guys go. Bye. Thank you.